Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Welcome to You Might Relate. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. This is Corey Reese. And Corey has lived in St. George for how long? St. George for like three years, but we were in Hurricane for like 18 years before that. So Okay. So in Southern Utah yeah, for over 21 years. Wild. Okay. And you have recently moved out of, is it the kidney clinic? Yeah. So I was dialysis. doing dialysis yeah. social work and then just doing private practice part-time and past year-ish transitioned into doing this full-time. Full-time therapist, private practice. And where's your office? It's downtown St. George. Okay. Kind of by Vernon Worthen. Ah, the best park ever. Yes. I did yoga. If you guys on Thursday nights want to have a fun yoga session, go to Vernon Worthen on Thursday nights for Sadie Best. Oh, cool. Amazing. But tell us a little bit more about yourself, like where you grew up, how many kids you have, all that kind of good stuff. I grew up in Sandy, Utah, met my wife in high school and... um, You guys high school sweethearts? Yeah. Aww. What high school? Uh, <laughs> we went to Jordan High. Oh, cool. So, okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've got three kids. They are all adults, which is crazy. Fun. I don't feel that old, but they are that old. And so, yeah, they're like spreading their wings and doing cool things. Yeah. I've been a social worker for 20 ish years and I'm really loving what I do. I love. Being in Southern Utah, I love the scenery and outdoors and trails. And I feel like we should talk about your running for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your running career. <laughs> yeah, I maybe have made poor life choices when it comes to <laughs> hobbies, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot of ultra marathon running and a lot of hundred mile races, and wrote. I was a columnist for Ultra Running Magazine for. I think six years. Oh, wow. Running is like my therapy and running has also been a topic discussed in therapy. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like a love-hate relationship. I love it. Oh, my gosh. And then you wrote a book. Can we shout out your book here? Sure. I've actually got three, but the most recent one is called Stronger Than the Dark. And it, it kind of weaves in running and also kind of how it ties dental health stuff. So I bought that for my son and it's still in his room and I need to, well, I bought it for one for my office and one for my son. And so I think other people need it, but I want to read it. I need to read it. And then I'm going to have you back so we can talk about it. Okay, perfect. But what are your other two books that I didn't know about? The first one is called Nowhere Near First. And then the second one is called Into the Furnace. They're running related okay. books. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you've put a lot of miles on trails and roads and you've been helping people for the last 20 something years. And here you are going to help us again. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) All right. So our topic today is 
toxic positivity, and not a lot of people know what this is. Mm-hmm. So can you help us know what this is? Yeah. I guess I knew what it was, but didn't really fully grasp it until maybe four years ago. I am the biggest baby when it comes to needles. <laughs> I pass out when I get really? my blood drawn. I I it's embarrassing. Okay. So okay. But that's not that big a deal. Okay, so you need to get your blood drawn once a year, whatever. I can handle it. Okay. So then I think it was around four years ago, I got diagnosed with this weird chronic health condition called Common Variable Immunodeficiency Disorder, which basically means that my immune system sucks. (laughs) And so the doctor's like, okay, so you're going to need to start doing weekly infusions for the rest of your life. And so what you're going to have to do is get this infusion pump and you're going to have this big syringe of medication and it's going to connect to three needles and you're going to have to stick the needles in your stomach or your leg or your back and you're going to have to do that every week for the rest of your life. Okay. Hmm. Well, this is kind of a problem because me and needles are not friends. What am I going to do? So I'm like, okay, this is a great time for therapy. So I went to a therapist here in town and I was like, okay, so I, I have to start these infusions. It's freaking me out. I'm scared of needles, but really it could be so much worse. And at that time I was working in dialysis where these people are coming in every other day and, and they're not little needles. They're like nails that are being stuck in their arm. Two needles, gigantic. They're doing this every other day for the rest of their lives. They feel terrible. So I'm telling my therapist, yes, it sucks, but it could be worse. Look at what I'm doing at, at work. Look at the people I'm working with. My stuff is nothing. She's like, hmm, do you hear what you're saying? I'm like, well, yeah, it could be worse. I should be grateful. Yeah. And she said, okay, you're completely minimizing your experience, your feelings. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I am. And so it just led to this realization that, oh, I'm a master of toxic positivity, like trying to put a positive spin on everything, like finding the positives and minimizing or ignoring the negatives. And positivity, optimism, like that's good. That's a good quality. But but when you're not being authentic to how you're really feeling, when you're denying the range of emotions that are normal to feel, that's when it becomes unhealthy. And I was just a master of that. I could find the positive in anything and just didn't give myself space to feel scared or feel sad or feel discouraged or whatever. Like, Mm. and it's not a super healthy characteristic. Yeah, so what happens when you don't give yourself, well, yeah, when you or anyone doesn't give themselves space to feel those negative emotions or acknowledge them? I think what was happening for me was those emotions, you can ignore them, but that doesn't make them go away. Mm. So I think I was just pushing everything down and not dealing with anything. And so it just collects. And so I think that's what was happening is that 
I realized, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. I, I have never let myself sit with hard things or process stuff. Okay, so this is the difference. Because I think I'm like you. I I love to look at the glass half full. Right. The sun is shining. Our yep. life is pretty good. We yep. live in a first world country. Yep. We have water and yep. clothes and house. And so you're not saying that seeing things, the glass half full is like a bad thing. Right. But it's just that you also have to allow yourself to feel the negative feelings and process it and go through it, not just ignore it or stomp it down because then it comes up in other ways, which sometimes, and I don't know if this was your experience, but sometimes it is health ways. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. It's going to come out somewhere. Mm. It might show up. The book... The body keeps the score. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. It that it really happens. <laughs> it really happens. It's a, the body it's a real really thing. does. Get it the really score. does. Your body is <laughs> the referee, or I guess do referees keep score? Who keeps score in a, in a basketball game? The scorekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a referee. Okay. So that gives us an idea of the concept of toxic positivity, and why do you think it's gained so much attention in recent years. I never heard about toxic positivity in the 80s. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't that's either. That's because there was nothing wrong in the 80s. Everything was perfect. That's right. <laughs> we had Twinkies. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and lunch, Cabbage Patch uh, Kid cards uh-huh. or whatever. But, yep, Garbage Patch Kids. <laughs> Garbage Patch Kids. That's what I was yep. trying to think of. Yep. Yeah. yeah like, Everything what's there was to worry so about? perfect. Uh-huh. Care Bears. Care Bears. Strawberry Shortcake. Okay. <laughs> like, hello. Yes. So there was nothing to be sad about back then. No. But now, now there's a lot of things. Yeah. Now the Care Bears are like. Where are even the Care Bears? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do think it's just obviously there's still this stigma connected to mental health stuff. But yeah. I do think it's getting better for sure. Like I think there's just more people talking about it. That There's less shame connected to mental health stuff. And celebrities or athletes or whoever are talking about this stuff. And so I think that's maybe part of why this and other things are coming to the forefront, because I think we're doing better at recognizing the need for taking care of our mental health. Yeah. Mental health is health. And we have to do we have to take care of all of it. And actually, those Twinkies were not good for us. No. (laughs) Okay, so what are some common signs or characteristics of toxic positivity that people should be aware of? I I wrote down a few. So, and it's kind of like once you hear it, you can't unhear, unhear it. it. Okay. So things <laughs> like when something bad happens, just say, just stay positive, look on the bright side. So comments like that are obviously meant to be supportive, but they shut down what someone might be feeling. Yeah. Or, oh man, this one is just so cringy and painful. Like, say there's some kind of loss or death or something. Oh, I know what you're about to say. Okay, just say it. I know what you're about to say. I'll make it quick. Everything happens for a reason. (laughs) Has that ever made someone feel better? When they're in the depths of despair and grief and mourning and loss, that invalidates their experience. Right. And maybe there's situations where that's all they 
have to hold on to, maybe maybe in some situations. But then they should come up with it themselves, not be told it. I mm-hmm. think that's the thing, too, is sometimes when you – I can invalidate you by some of those things that you just said. Yeah. Well, it's okay. Look at the bright side. And mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Or everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. If I say that to you, then you go back into your – you almost feel shame for feeling those feelings. Right. Whereas if I say, oh, and I'm like Brene Brown would be like, go into the hole with the person and you're there. Oh, my goodness. This feels so terrible, doesn't it? Yeah. Then you can come up with if it helps you, if it serves you. Mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But if it's you that comes up with it, that's that's a whole different thing than me telling you to feel that way. Yeah, right? for sure. And to me, it feels like a lot of times we're just uncomfortable in those uncomfortable situations like we don't we don't know what to say or or people in general don't know what to say and you want to say something to help but sometimes there's just nothing that's gonna make it better yeah and so so i get why someone would say something like that because the intentions are good right but it doesn't really help right a couple others, happiness is a choice. Just be happy. And okay, that's a nice thought, but what if what if you're not doing well and you can't pull yourself out of that and because just sometimes be happy? it is chemical. Exactly. And sometimes if it is chemical and then someone says that, then they feel more shame that the chemicals are not operating in the right order, the correct amount. And so they really cannot feel what you're telling them to feel. And so now you're making them feel worse that they can't just feel happy. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it shows up sometimes. Okay. okay. How does toxic positivity impact individuals' mental health and well-being? We said that because if we're not being allowed to feel our feelings, be they negative, and, and just process through them and go through them, mm-hmm. then it'll affect our mental health because we don't feel validated. We feel not normal and it and it will affect our physical health, which will then affect our mental health. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> did I just answer my you own did. question? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> okay. So are there any specific groups of people? And man, this will be a hard question because you're, mm-hmm. you might offend a lot of people right now. We're going to see. Are there specific groups of people who might be more susceptible to experiencing toxic positivity? Okay. Yeah. So I've done some research on this. And really, a lot of times it does get exacerbated by religion. And sometimes, for example, something like if someone passed away, God needed them more than than, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked to people who have heard that from well-meaning friends or neighbors or family, but the way that they often interpret that is rage toward, like, if that's if that's really how it is, mm-hmm. rage toward God. Like, God is selfish if, right. if that's the intention backfires. Right. Because they become mad at God. I want this person here. Right. So, so it does show up a lot in religious stuff. And I I think about a a song that, like a a primary song in the LDS church, like If you chance chance to meet meet a a brown, do not let it stay. 
quickly turn it upside down and smile that frown away. <laughs> that is toxic positivity, like How about in this? song. No one likes a frowny face. Change it for a smile. Make the world a better place by smiling all the while. <laughs> I need an applause button. Yes. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So when you think of the words to that song now in the context mm. of this discussion, what right. do you think about? Yeah, you're you're just not allowing people to go move through whatever they're sad about. And I've been guilty of singing that. Ex- Why do you think I'm so good at singing that song? <laughs> <laughs> Have because you practiced that a time or two? I've been practicing for the, I've been a mom for <laughs> 20 years or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm really good at singing that song mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've sang it to my kids. Yeah. Why are we being upset about not getting the blue cup? <laughs> no one likes a frowny face. Mm-hmm. How about, oh, you, you want the blue cup? Oh, that is sad. Let's sit with that for a second and be <laughs> sad about not getting the blue cup and what can we do to work through that so that you can problem solve for it tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And get, I mean, and that that's just a dumb little scenario. No, but right. I don't need to tell them they're being too sensitive. They don't. They shouldn't be crying about such a small thing. To them, it's a big thing. Right. What if we took the time to try and understand why they're feeling how they're feeling right. about the cup instead of just saying, turn that frown upside down? Yeah. And I think the answer to that might be that If they're unhappy, even if it's your kids, but this could be anyone, friend, Mm -hmm, neighbor, mm -hmm. sister, if they're unhappy, then it makes me feel uncomfortable. So could you just put a smile on because then I'll feel better. Okay, Stacey, (laughs) this really is a huge part of it for sure. Okay. For sure. It's like we're trying to help ourselves by saying stuff like that because it's uncomfortable. We don't want the other person. It's almost like. We don't want to be around uncomfortable feelings. Right. And it's also kind of like caretaking and rescuing, but not in an effective way. Right. Maybe we could riff on that for a second because, I don't know, like American culture. I mean, I wonder if there's a country out there that is really good at being comfortable with someone else's sadness or someone mm-hmm. else's grieving or someone else's sorrow. Do you know of any kind? Co- I've wondered, is there a country that's better at it than Americans? That's a great question. I did see, gosh, I I would have to do some heavy searching for it, but I do remember seeing some kind of meme. I can't remember what country it was, but their language was something like, instead of I am sad, I have sadness. So that they're not personalizing it. It's something that's here for right now. Like, I have this right now. i won't have this forever, but I have it right I now. I have. Oh, my word. You are blowing my mind right now. Crazy, huh? Isn't that even a better... I hope I'm not saying this wrong, but I'm thinking that that would be a better way to describe... I'm big on words and saying words mm-hmm. correctly mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we don't trick our brains into doing something it shouldn't. So I have sadness right now. I have a lot of grief right now. Yeah. I am... I am witnessing a lot of sorrow in my life right now mm-hmm. instead of I am sad. Right. We're not sad. We're mostly made of water. <laughs> True. So we're not sad. We're not actually sad. We are. I'm Stacy. You're Corey. Mm-hmm. And I have sadness right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because of da 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 da. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I hope this doesn't get too nerdy therapist talk, but like internal family systems just is so perfect for this. There's a part of me oh, yeah. that's sad. Not all of me. Like, Not all of but, me. But this part, part of me is sad. And what does this part need right now? What is this part trying to tell me? How is this part trying to help me? Ooh, that's good too. It's a, my 45-year-old self is sad because my dad died. But my three-year-old self it was so happy because dad threw me up in the air and da, da, da. So that's even another way to say it. But my 45-year-old yeah. self has a lot of sadness because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's not here anymore. Totally. That's so good. It's, it's... I have sadness or the part. there's part of me that is sad, but mm -hmm. not the whole part of me. Although if someone were to come to you and say, it just feels like it's all encompassing mm -hmm. and it's all, it's all over me, mm -hmm. then... You just have to go with what they're feeling. Yeah, totally. And I don't know. I, I really have come to love internal family systems. And in that instance, you could say, okay, well, which part of you is noticing oh. that there is like our higher self that is is seeing these things. So, But there just legitimately are times where there's a lot of sadness in this self yeah. or in this self. It yeah. just like life is just really hard sometimes. I love that though. Talking about higher selves, I just love that thought and the idea. And I think when we tap into how do we want to respond? What would my highest self, how would my highest self respond in this situation? It makes you a third party to what you're doing and what you're thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And it just helps a lot. So. Yeah. And, and if you can work in that higher self, you can feel compassion for that part of you that's feeling sad or angry or whatever, like any emotion. It's okay. That book, pardon my nerdy therapy talk, No Bad Parts. This book, oh. if you have not read or listened to this, go get this book. But it's just so great at learning how to work with these different parts of us that we all have. And the fact that he names the book No Bad Parts. You're right. They're, they're here for a reason. Yeah. And you can feel compassion for them because they're suffering or they're needing something from us. Right. They're trying to get attention somehow. And yeah. we can, that's another thing, right? If we're saying something like, I, I feel sadness or a part of me feels sadness, that part of us is needing something. And it's not to just ignore it. What if we just ignore yes. those babies and don't feed them and they're not going to develop correctly? Right. Or think about a three-year-old kid saying, mommy, 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 and you turn your back and walk away, are they going to stop screaming? No, no. they're going to scream louder. It's the same thing with yeah. these emotions that we don't like feeling. But if you turn your back and walk away, they're going to talk louder because they're trying, to, they're there for a reason. Right. So we don't want to ignore these negative feelings. We need to get comfortable feeling them. Well, we don't have to be comfortable feeling them. We just need to feel them. <laughs> we need to go through the uncomfortable part mm -hmm, and feel mm -hmm. them. Okay, so what are some potential negative effects of promoting or engaging in toxic positivity? Let's do an example of a family. Like what would what would be an example of a family comes in mm -hmm. and kid it has experimented with marijuana or something like that. And the, it's upset the whole family and they come into therapy mm -hmm. and 
the mom is or mom or dad is like, it's okay. We you've tried it one time. It's it's fine. We'll just ignore that. And they're not addressing the problem. Right. Correct. So then what is how is that going to impact that family if we don't address the actual the, to the root of the problem? Right. Like what drove this behavior? What's yes. going on below the surface? What are you feeling? What? Thank you. <laughs> all the like yes. it's it's basic fundamental stuff, but easy to overlook sometimes. And so I've had similar situations like this and, and the kids will say or the adults will say, thinking back on times when they were a kid going through something like this, they're not trying to understand me at all. Yes, I don't feel understood. I yeah. don't feel heard. I'm not feeling seen or heard. And they might not even know what they need to be understood or heard about. For sure. They just know that they are just not being understood. Mm-hmm. They're, they're never going to come to you and say, okay, mom and dad, this is why I feel misunderstood. Right. <laughs> they're just going to keep smoking marijuana. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then we're getting mad at them for, and it, I'm just saying marijuana is, as an example, but here we are just getting mad that they're uh-huh. smoking marijuana. Stop that. You need, do you know what that's doing to your health? But we're not like getting underneath and like figuring out, whoa, there must be some really big feelings that you're either ignoring or pushing down or you're not a safe place for you to express them. That's exactly it. Totally. So how often do you think toxic positivity happens in the general American family? All the time. <laughs> do you have any examples in your family? Because I might have. Um, let's mine. see. <laughs> Let me think for a second. Yes. In my family, there was a narrow range of acceptable emotions and I didn't see people cry. I didn't see people. Mm, this is in your growing up years. Yes. Okay. I didn't see people sad. Anger was not really okay. And who doesn't feel those things sometimes? But if you get the message from your family or your culture or your church or your parent, whatever, that those feelings aren't okay, then suddenly you wake up as a 40-something-year-old. And I remember years and years ago, like my wife saying things like, I, I want to see more emotion from you. And if all of those things have been repressed and pushed down for so long, I just noticed myself like, I don't even know what I'm feeling, let alone be able to express it. Yes. Well, you you probably didn't even, I didn't learn this either. I didn't have a big chart of all the emotions with little emojis. Now right. we have phones that tell us emojis, but right. we we didn't have that. And so it was like happy, sad, anger. Right. <laughs> and that's about my emotional I vocabulary, I right? Know. Was yeah. that yours? Yeah. In <laughs> fact, I'm glad you mentioned this. I talked to a friend of mine who I talked to him like a couple weeks after he started going to therapy for the first time. Oh. And he said, remember in elementary school when you had the eight pack box of crayons and then there were some kids who had that 64 pack and you were just like burning with jealousy about their burnt sienna and how you (laughs) like it had the crayon sharpener in the box and and my friend was like I am realizing right now as a 45 year old person I have the eight pack of crayons I 
have these emotions. <laughs> and I look around and everyone else in his perception, right. like everyone else has a 64 pack. Everyone else doesn't. Everyone but else. Yeah. Like, but he just is realizing for the first time, I don't have burnt sienna in my box. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm feeling. I can't identify it, let alone be able to express that. Right. Oh, my gosh. So it's so important if you're a new parent or if you're an old parent to give your children and yourself emotional vocabulary and to use that vocabulary. You know, another I work a lot with one of my offices is down in Hilldale, Colorado City mm-hmm. area. And so we work with a lot of people that not so much now, but they were recently when we were first down there coming out of the FLDS church. And there's I'm sure you've heard of this. Keep sweet. The women were always told to keep sweet. And in fact, it's written above their doors and stuff. It would say keep sweet. And they didn't even know the feelings. They just knew that they just had to keep sweet. You have a complaint or criticism or correction. Keep sweet. You don't need to say that, especially to the priesthood. You don't say that. Right. So I just wonder how many of us, maybe to a lesser degree, have that same thing. Like, just put a smile. Don't cause waves. Don't cause drama. Don't be drama. Don't take up space. Don't take up people's time. When really, we are worth it. We are here to make connections. We are here to go through these hard things with each other and to experience hard things with each other. So we don't need to put on our toxic positivity and pretend like everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. And what what I think we fail to realize sometimes is that's so inauthentic. And, and we think that we need to look perfect for people, but that's not what connects us to people. It's like oh, vulnerability. So good. Vulnerability connects us to people yes. and and our flaws and our weaknesses. And who wants to be with someone who is perfect? And that's not real. That's not real. Oh, my gosh. We could really dive into a lot of little avenues here, yeah. right? Because that is so... I have someone in my life who would cheat at games a lot. <laughs> and my family that's listening will just laugh at this. <laughs> but anyway... And it was like, man, I don't want to play with you because you win every time. I want to play because sometimes you're going to lose. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to be this. I don't want to be friends with. Now, this is Uh going to sound bad, bad, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be friends with a plastic Barbie. I want to be friends with someone who has cellulite and wrinkles and gray hairs. Mm -hmm. Like That's what makes me relate to you. Right. So that's what I mean. Like we could go down big rabbit holes. Just like a personal example, we were talking before we got started recording about our mutual friend Maria, and I love her so much oh, we because both love Maria. she Maria. is, <laughs> and, and she doesn't, sometimes I want to shake her because she just, but what I love about her is that she, you just, what you see is what you get, and she is just willing, she doesn't want to hide her flaws and imperfections, she's just like, this is me, I don't like these things, but this just is who I am. I'm working on it. But yeah. she's not trying to pretend like she's something that she's not. Right. That is so endearing. It is. It's refreshing. It is. Yeah. And, and she's a safe person always. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you're talking to someone who can own up to their flaws and imperfections, it does create safety. Right. Yeah. But if I'm always perfect 
And I I don't know what you're talking about because I'm not like that. <laughs> then you're like, oh, I guess yeah, I'm not uh, safe. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Just bye. Just put a smile on your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love Maria. Me too. How can someone differentiate between genuine positivity and toxic positivity? Because we do want to be genuine and mm-hmm. be positive, mm-hmm. but we just sure. don't want it to be toxic positive. Yeah, I, I think that's important to note. I genuinely am like a generally positive person. Me too. I think it's it goes back to what you said earlier about just being okay with the spectrum, the range of emotions. And positivity, optimism is certainly one of them. Right. I think it becomes toxic when it's the only, the only perspective or emotion. Perspective. Like you only see, you just don't allow yourself to feel those negative things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe I was like, we both said, oh, we're both optimistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we're toxic to people. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we need to <laughs> maybe we do need some to introspection. Because, <laughs> and also, I guess that's, an, that's something to say is maybe what could be negative to you wouldn't be negative to me. So if I'm brushing it off, oh, it's fine. That's not a big deal. But to Mm -hmm. you, it is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Just to be where other people are and to recognize that that's okay that they feel that way. I always say this. This is is probably the most said thing in my podcast. Two people can be in the same car accident and leave having completely different experiences. One could leave saying, that was so much fun. Did you see the airbag? I'm I'm a survivor. And the other person could, oh my gosh, I have PSD. I'm never going to sit in another car again. Mm-hmm. And so if you're that person and I'm like, oh, it's fine, then I'm not being with you in your pain and sorrow and discomfort right. experience. So yeah. then yep. we would be toxic. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So Do you think there are any cultural or societal factors that contribute to the prevalence of toxic positivity? That's a good question. And then I and then I go to SNL's careful, careful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whereas now, what are you gonna say? Let's be careful. Careful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the cultural stuff and and like we talked about religion. So here in Utah mm-hmm. with the predominant faith, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I I do think there are aspects of the culture that kind of like reinforce that. I don't think it's exclusive to the LDS church. I, no. I was talking to someone yesterday who lives back east and it's a different religious environment there, mm-hmm. but she was saying th- the same characteristics show up yeah. There in that in that culture that's different and also the same in many ways. Yeah. And what would you say that is? Because I can think of one thing that I think that where Careful. that can show up. I know. And <laughs> and I you know, everyone knows on this podcast, if you're a listener, if you've listened from the beginning, we are accepting of all religions and all matter faith is a spectrum, so you can be in or out or somewhere in between and we are not trying to offend and we accept you where you are. With that said, sometimes, and again, like you said, it's not just LDS, it's FLDS, Centennial, Catholics, Jehovah's Witness, Christian. Sometimes we have this, I think, and tell me if you agree with this, sometimes we have this idea that if we're righteous, then things are going to go really right for us. And if we're not righteous, then things are going to go bad for us. 
But then if things go bad for us when we're in our certain faith, well, it's just because we're getting tested. But if you're out of the faith, then we say, oh, look, it's because they left. For instance, someone might be getting a divorce and they've left their faith. And so, oh, see, they're getting a divorce because they left their faith. But right. really, they're being authentic. There, there's a whole slew of reasons why they're getting a divorce. And their stuff is just more out in the open because when you're in, and it, again, it doesn't matter which one, mm -hmm. you are more careful not to let everybody see it sometimes because you want to keep up that perception that you're righteous, where once you're out, it doesn't really matter. Like, I, here I am, kind of right. like what our Maria is. Right. Here I am. Right. And and it's not because I'm right. This life happens. And yeah. so, and I'm not being tested. This is just, this happens to everyone. But mine's more apparent because yeah. I'm out. Yours is not apparent because you, number one, have the structure and the everything to keep it in. But also, it, it can be a toxic positivity thing where you're mm -hmm. just like, hey, put a smile on, keep your marriage together, even though it's not really good for you. Right. Where the person out is, you know, I'm getting a divorce. Yeah. This isn't good for me. Mm -hmm. Along with this perfect, perfect example, what I also see sometimes is people leaving a church and then when they're around believing family members, they're conflicted like, okay, they almost feel a sense of like, I need to keep it all together and make it look good because oh. I don't want to perpetuate that belief that if you leave, your life is going to swirl down the toilet. Yes. Yeah. So I need to make it look. So it can go both ways. It can yeah. be when you're in, I have to look good or when I'm out, I have to look good look so at... I don't perpetuate this myth. <laughs> Yes. Says my whole life is going to go to crap. If right. I go out. Oh, interesting. Right. That's a good point. And what you said is is so so true. Like bad things are going to happen if you're in the church. Yeah. Any church. Yep. Bad any. things are going to happen if you leave a church. Life. Yep. Darn it. Mm -hmm. Hate when that happens. <laughs> We're all in this thing called life. Yeah. So bad things happen to everyone, and it's important whether you're in or out to just move through those emotions and not pretend like everything's okay and just be authentic. That's yeah. what we're saying, right? Yep, yep, totally. Okay. Do you have any real life examples or anecdotes that illustrate some consequences of toxic positivity? I do. And and really I had this really cool awareness a couple months ago actually. So, as I mentioned, I'm the master of disaster when it comes to like I, I know this stuff. I, I I know what I'm doing with toxic positivity. Like I I did it for a long time. Okay. So my dad took his life when I was 14, and mm. I for decades went with this belief of okay, yeah, that was bad, but it made me stronger and it made me more compassionate and all these things. And maybe it I think it probably did do all these all those things. Okay. But oh. I never sat with the mess that comes along with a parent taking their life. So, hello, therapy in my 40s now, when I finally started dealing with this. And I had this cool experience a couple months ago. I was talking with a therapy client who was dealing with a lot of suicidal ideations and like I'm not sure I want to be here anymore. I'm not sure I want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And it was 
cool to approach that from a perspective of a, a personal experience and to be able to say, I get it. I see where you're coming from. Like you have a lot on your plate right now and I get this is really hard. And also you have little kids that love you so much and being able to just share very, very briefly the impact that mm-hmm. I went through having a parent take their life. And I got home that night and I'm like, oh, this is the first time that I can really see, I can see the benefit of my dad taking his life. Oh. Like it gave me a different perspective that I think most therapists wouldn't have if they haven't had a parent take their life. Right. Like I could speak to this client in a way that I felt like carried a lot of weight and meaning and power because of my personal experiences. And so it was so cool to realize, oh, for the first time, I can really sit with some good did come from it. It did make me stronger and maybe did make me a better therapist. Mm. And also, it really sucked. And I it screwed up a lot of things and resulted in a lot of therapy and a mess. And and, oh, wow. and so I to really move into both of those things, it was like the first time that I'm like, oh, okay, this is what it really feels like to authentically embrace the whole range of emotions. Wow. It was cool. I love that idea that when we go through hard things, like I used to work with people who place their babies for adoption, and we used to tell them the same thing. If once you do this, you'll never do anything harder in your whole life. This is the pinnacle of hardness, and so you're going to be so strong. And mm-hmm. that, I think probably toxic positivity at the time because sure maybe it is but who knows maybe they'll have we don't Mm -hmm, know what mm -hmm, else they're going to deal with and yes while at the same time it could be for someone's benefit or what did we say at the beginning it'll make you stronger or god wanted this Mm -hmm, for you mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever maybe that maybe that could be true but at the same time we also need to make sure we sit with how awful and how hard those feelings are Mm -hmm. and how devastating or and help us move through those feelings at whatever pace we need to move through them. It doesn't have to be quick. We don't need to have them be happy the next day. Mm -hmm. And so, man, and that could be for any, I mean, divorces sometimes like the best thing is a divorce. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing is for someone to leave their faith. Sometimes their best thing is to leave your home or to be put in, in these different situations. And, even though at the same time, it can be also so, 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 so hard. Yes. Like maybe the best thing for you was to place your baby for adoption. Also, that is so hard and so painful. And you'll never, you you know, you might not experience anything like that again. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the moral of the story with all of this mm. is that these different ranges of emotions, it could be opposite emotions and those can coexist. Yeah. yeah. Like this, this, like the examples you used, like maybe this really is the the very best thing that could happen and it's horrible. And it's horrible. But I think sometimes we're taught that, well, things just fell in my lap and, and it, it was just so easy. And so I knew it was the right thing to do. But sometimes the right thing to do doesn't fall in your lap and it's so painful and it's so hard, but that doesn't make it wrong. Mm-hmm. And so those, well, you'll know it's right because it'll just... 
feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes what the right thing doesn't feel good and you still have to do it anyway. Yep. Tricky. Very tricky. Mm. All right. Let's see what else I have for you. Are there any misconceptions, myths around toxic positivity that we should debunk? I guess just the myth that positivity is a good or bad thing. I think just the idea of positivity is the best thing to do. And, And yes, of course, we all want to be positive, but it's a myth. It's not realistic to say that that's a sustainable mindset. All the time, hundred percent of the time, right, right. right. That'd be like saying it's going to be sunny twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a week. Yeah, we need the rain, we need the thunderstorms, which has been beautiful this week. Mm -hmm. We need the nighttime. Yeah, so we need the the influx. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like that. How can individuals set boundaries and communicate their needs effectively when faced with toxic positivity? This is a good question, right? So how can an individual recognize it or or approach it? How can we set boundaries? So if you come to me and you're like, you know, and I just got divorced and you're Uh saying, you know what? It's going to be for the best. You need to get rid of him. (laughs) And I'm like, this is Uh the most painful uh thing that I'll ever go through in my life. Yeah. How can I be firm in a boundary set, you know, and communicate that what I need from you is just for you to listen or for you to be there where I am? Great question. I think maybe sometimes it's just recognizing that this person is genuinely trying to be helpful. (laughs) They genuinely care. They maybe are not recognizing that what they're saying is not super helpful. And maybe there's times where you can just recognize, okay, I'm just going to let this go. I'm not. Uh But then I think there are times where it's totally appropriate and okay to say, I'm not there right now. I'm hurting. This is hard. And I'm actually going to try to not go into avoiding this. Yes. And so if it's a relationship that you feel safe with, you can probably ask, hey, I need you to just be with me and and create a place for me to be sad or to mm-hmm. you know cry it out and it be okay that I feel crappy. Yeah. And if you can't be that person, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe I need to find someone else. Yeah. But I don't want you to be telling me that I can just you know put on my big girl pants and get over this. Mm-hmm. Like this is a hard thing for me, mm-hmm. and I think I should be allowed to be sad for however long. Yeah. 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 And again, it's just people maybe not knowing how to help. or knowing what to say. It's some situations. I think people genuinely want to help or try to fix it. And sometimes there's nothing that's going to fix it or make it better or help. It just is going to be really crappy for a little bit. And then if you're the person on the other side who is hearing that, then it's your job to know that it isn't your job to fix it. Even if it's not even a therapist's job to fix it, really. We're just here to hold space. We're not here to fix everything. If we really could fix everything, do you know how much money we would make? <laughs> a lot. We would make so much more money. A lot. <laughs> but we really can't. We are literally placeholders for people's feelings. That's what we are. Which is very hard sometimes so when you're hard. just, I wish there's something I could do. Wish I could, yeah, make it better for you. Yeah. And sometimes sitting and creating that space to 
hold whatever feelings are coming up is sometimes all we can do. Yeah, that is. And sometimes that's enough. Because most of the time it's all we can do. It has to be enough. Yeah. Because that there's literally, we can't fix things. No. So. For us to avoid going into toxic positivity in those situations is super important. Right. Yeah. What do you think are some strategies or practices to help us stay away from having, like your experience, mm. oh, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I should be able to handle it. I yeah. watch these dialysis clients. Mm-hmm. How do we stay away from going in that direction? Mm-hmm. A few tips to to be mindful of. Okay. Be realistic about what you're feeling. So when you're facing a difficult situation, it's okay to feel stressed, worried, or fearful. Practice self-care. Like just being realistic, being honest with yeah. how you're feeling. It seems simple, but <laughs> sometimes that's easier said than done. Don't be afraid to challenge the person who's being toxically positive, just okay. like you said. Know that it's okay to feel more than one thing. Like we talked about, multiple emotions can coexist even when they feel opposite. Right. I'm so relieved I'm out of this marriage. I'm so hurt that I have to end this marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to people who were caregivers for their ill parents. Mm-hmm. And and then when the parent dies, they There's feel conflicted. Relief. Yes. And this complete grief and sadness. Right. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they feel relief and a little bit of happiness, that's sometimes it hard. Weird it feels and, weird. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Put feelings into words. Yes. You see this with therapy clients. I see this like when we're feeling intense emotions, a lot of times it's just all swirling like a tornado. Mm -hmm. And just putting a voice to it helps focus and clarify what's going on. Yes. I like this template. I feel, and then you say you're feeling... And then because, and then you try to say the reason why you feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. The I feel statements. That's mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. this because, and sometimes when you say that out loud, like for instance, I might say, I feel frustrated because my water heater broke down. Mm-hmm. But then once I say it out loud, and you might even say it back to me, oh, so Stacey, your water heater went down and that's frustrating. You know what? That's actually not that big of a deal. You know why mm-hmm. I'm frustrated? Because the battery to my car and... My husband didn't even come and help me fix it. That's really why I'm frustrated. <laughs> and yeah. so once you hear it back, then you can figure out really why you're frustrated. Or maybe it's a combination. Right. So like just just speaking it, giving voice to it helps give clarity yeah. about what's going on. To yourself and will help you feel other people will be able to understand you if you can put a voice to it and express it. But please only do that to in safe spaces. Don't mm-hmm. you don't want to do that to yeah. people who you don't feel safe. Don't go around sharing your personal stuff to people who didn't earn the right to hear, right? Yeah. yeah. That Brene, that's a pretty totally. thing. Yep. So, what can what can we do better, I guess, in workplaces, in schools, in our places of worship, in our families to create environments that encourage emotional authenticity? and promoting a positive atmosphere. We want to be positive in our homes, and I do like smiles Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my homes, but Mm -hmm. also I want authenticity, and I want you to be able to feel what you're feeling. 
Yeah. Any ideas on how we can promote that in those places? Yeah, I think just creating a safe space. And maybe sometimes it's it's modeling. Maybe mm-hmm. in our houses, show what it looks like to manage anger in a healthy way. Yeah. Since recognizing my emotional stuntedness, I've mm-hmm. really tried to work on that, do a lot of self-work. And so I try to model, it's okay to feel things. Mm. It, it's okay to show emotions. It's okay to cry. It's a, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be mad. All of those things can be managed in healthy or unhealthy ways. Right. So model the healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a boss, model the healthy way in your workplace. If you are in the clergy or if you're a teacher or whatever, in a school or in a place of worship, then model it. And if you're a parent, model it. And if you're a friend, model it. It's just modeling it. You be it first and then it'll follow for everyone else. Yeah. Another piece of it, I think, is just asking questions, like Mm -hmm. being curious, staying open, allowing whatever emotion someone is feeling to be okay. Whatever you're feeling, it's it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So last question, what is the chore that you hate the most around the house? I. We don't want to be too positive here. That's true. (laughs) I think I hate toilets. When people say laundry, I just don't understand it. Laundry is great. Toilets is where it's at, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Finally, someone said toilets, and so Corey will get his prize later. Yes. No, thanks so much, Corey. I know that we are going to see you again soon. I appreciate you coming on here and talking to us a little bit about toxic positivity. Is there anything that you think we missed on this, by the way? I don't think so. I think you're, no. I Did think we you're, get it? I think okay. you had great questions. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, thanks so much for Thank being you. here, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.